You're about to hear a life-transforming word brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church, London, an oasis for breakthrough. The focus of Trinity Baptist Church is to see people develop a Christ-like character that impacts our world. Now, prepare your hearts to receive God's word through his anointed servant. Kindly turn with me in your Bibles to Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I'm reading through the first five verses. Paul writes to the Corinthians as the Holy Spirit moved upon his life and said, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. But he he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, Judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the house. Then each one's praise will come forth. Look at the verse 2 again. Moreover, it is required in a steward, in stewards, that one be found faithful. Precious Father, this morning, teach our hearts to fear you. Teach our hearts to become faithful stewards of the manifold grace of giftings, of talents, of resources, and of your riches that you have given unto us. It has pleased you, O God, above all things, that you should keep your treasure in us. This morning, Father, I ask for grace that in clarity and in simplicity, I must share your word with your people. In the mighty name of Jesus, God's people shall say. This morning I'm speaking on the subject, the fear of God and our stewardship. The fear of God and our stewardship. See, the remarkable thing about the fear of God, Oswald Chambers said, is that if you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas, if you do not fear God, then you begin to fear everything. See, when you go to a doctor with a problem, and uh, you want, the doctor begins to check you up, that doctor, he or she, will begin to poke, prod, press various parts of your body, all the while asking the question, does it hurt? Then when he finds a place that hurts, one or two things to the doctor has happened. Either when you say, you, you shout, ouch! One or two things has happened. Either the doctor has pushed too hard 
without the right sensitivity, or more likely, there is something wrong that the doctor has to say. And at times, the doctor will have to say, we have to do some more tests because it is not supposed to hurt at this part of your body. So it is when pastors begin to preach on stewardship. Some cry out in discomfort and some criticize. It is either the pastor has pushed too hard or perhaps there is something wrong the Lord wants to correct. Hallelujah. The truth is that each one of us will need the great physician if we genuinely believe that the fear of God rules in our hearts. If our obedience is unto him alone, if we hold the Lord in awe and in reverence and hold his word as the final authority over all that we do, then we must know that at times the word of God will not only come to prop us up, but also to heal and to correct us. No Christian has a right to live his or her own life or do his own thing. If the God of the Bible is your God, then he has a final authority over everything that you do and say. If God is a final authority over your life, then you will begin to see life from the perspective of God. The hymn that we all sang was written in 1874 by Frances Havagal. When he discovered the essence and the meaning of stewardship. As he waited on the Lord, he wrote those beautiful words, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise unto thee. Take my hands and let them move. At the impulse of thy love, take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Hallelujah. You see, God is still looking for people who will sing and mean what they say. At times we just sing the songs, but we don't mean them. At times we sing these powerful, you see, the major reason why hymns, most of the hymns will forever remain powerful is that I believe that over 90% of the hymns that are still strong, the only essence is that they were inspired. And anything that is inspired by God will never die. That is why up to today, we sing hymns that were written a thousand years ago and they are still powerful. When I was growing up as a boy, I remember my mom vividly. She would tell me, Kofi, don't go to that house. Because in that house, the people who live in that house don't fear God. And she would say that in her own language. They don't fear God. They don't fear. Don't go there. Don't play. Don't make friends with anybody in that house. The truth about the fear of God. Is that if you fear God, it must permeate and show on every aspect of everything that you do. 
The man, the woman, the boy, the guy who fears God is the one who is totally sold out to his master. A steward, of course, is a servant who manages everything for his master, but who owns nothing himself. That word, the Greek word, oikonomos, oikonomos, simply means a house manager, a person placed in complete control of a household. Good stewards are those who supervise the properties, the fields, the finances, the food, and everything that the master owns. And a perfect example is the young man Joseph. He was in charge of Potiphar's house, and everything that Potiphar had, Joseph was in control of that. David looked at himself and all what God had done for him. And when God promised to build him a house, that the Davidic covenant, the covenant that God made with David, that he would build him a dynasty, that the Messiah would come out of his line. David went on his knees, fell flat on the floor, and said, Who am I, O God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? You see, the truth about life is that if we will genuinely look back and see where God has brought us and the manifold grace that he has placed in our hands and over our lives, if you look at the wife God has given to you, if you look at the children God has given to you, if you look at the job God has given to you, if you look at the environment in which you live and above all, his spirit that lives in you, that alone should grant you cause to thank him like David. The essence of stewardship is that we should remember that we are not the content, but just the containers. We are not the source, but the vessel. We are not the porter, but he is the clay. Therefore, you and I must be good stewards of this manifold grace of God. The temptation for man is to boast of his wealth, to boast of his abilities, to boast of his gifts, his exploits, to boast even of the good health. I have heard people stand on the pulpit and boast. You see, there is a way to glorify God and there is a way to boast. And the line is so thin. I have never been to any doctor. I will never go to any doctor. Glory to God, you will never go to any doctor. But the fact that somebody has to go to a doctor does not mean that person is a sinner. It's only grace. At times we boast too much. There are men, I just look at them and their, their lives just humbles me. Huh? Bill Gates. If you look at Richard Branson, if you look at Pastor Enoch Adeboye, and the simplicity and the, you yourself, oh, oh. The truth, however, is that whatever we have here on this earth, no matter what, we will leave it behind. And one day we will pass it on. 
Because naked came we into, the, into this world, and naked shall we live. Yesterday, as my sister laid in that casket, I could not control myself. Because I fondly remember when we were growing up, my dad had been transferred as a customs officer to Takradi, to the harbor in Takradi. And I, I could, we were all growing up. She was the tomboy in the house. She would just pinch you and run. And all those things began to play back in my mind. And then looking at her lying there, motionless. Then it, it, it tells you and, and it poses the question, what is life all about? What is the essence of posting? But I pray that your legacy shall be great. Amen. The legacy you shall leave on this earth will be so great that your children will never become beggars in their generation in the name of Jesus. Anytime we talk about stewardship, the first thing we should remember is that God owns it all. It all belongs to God. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and its fullness. The world and those who dwell in everything in this world. Understand that when God formed man, it was God who breathed into the nostrils of man the breath of God for God to become a living soul. When you and I come to know Christ, then we receive the Holy Spirit. But even the man not born again is the creation of God. So God owns it all. The breath of life that is in man is the spirit of God. And when man stands up and boasts that there is no God, he has no clue what he is saying. The Lord says the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord God Almighty Haggai 2.8. Paul speaks and says, we preach to you that you should turn from those vain things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them. Everything was created and it belongs to God. He owns it. Because we as a people of God, by faith we understand that the universe was formed by God's command so that what is seen was not made by that which was visible. Hebrews 11.3 tells us. God does not only own all, but the truth also is that he made us. He formed us and breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. The image of God in man is the spirit of God in us. At death, the spirit goes back to God and the body returns to the earth. He is a maker and as such we belong to him. David sings Psalm 100 verse 3. Know that the Lord he is God. It is he who has made us and not ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. It is important that we know that we don't belong to ourselves and that we belong to God. And not only that, not only did God just make us, but God also gave us authority. 
and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds that fly, over every animal that creeps on this earth. Exercise dominion over them. No wonder man has conquered almost any animal that lives on the surface of this earth. And when we sinned, when sin separated us from God, because God loves us and God owns us and has made us in his own image and has given us the breath of life, when man sinned, God sent Jesus again on this earth to buy us back. With the blood of Jesus, in our sins, we have been redeemed and the authority has been restored back to us, those of us that have put our faith in the son of the living God. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So, because God made us, formed us, gave us his spirit. Then man rebelled. Man sinned. God did not leave us there. When he made us, he gave us authority. We sinned, we lost the authority. But God sent Jesus and brought us back again and has restored us back unto himself. And says, and Jesus says that all power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me and I grant, I exercise, I give you the right of attorney. I give you authority to go and to use that power. No wonder Paul writes to the Romans Romans 14, 7 to 8, and says, and says that for none of us lives unto himself, and none of us dies unto himself. Writing to Christians, if we live, we live unto the Lord, and if we die, we die unto the Lord. Therefore, whether we die or live, we are the Lord's. And that is what differentiates us from other human beings on this earth. Whatever we have comes from him. The second major thing about stewardship is that whatever we have comes from God. All our talents and gifts come from him. The beautiful choral chords with which we sing comes from him. Oh, they sang so powerfully. Minister check. All those gifts, the gift, the, the fingers to play the instrument. Have a girl says, let it all be consecrated unto you. Remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and to confirm his covenant when he swore to your fathers as it is today. Moses speaks to the children of Israel and to us this morning. No man can receive anything unless it is given to him from above. Anything that we have, if it were not given unto us, we wouldn't have had it. It is God who gives gifts and talents according to the graces that he has given us and the abilities he has given us. You see, one day when my work is finished and done and I stand before eternity, when I stand before the Bema seat of Christ, the Lord will not ask me, Kingsley, why did you not fill stadiums? He won't ask me that question because he didn't give me the talent to do that. Therefore, no matter how I spend money to make posters, let me take all the money of TBC and go on every TV network 
and advertise that Wembley Stadium, here I come. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness, and the end shall come. Pastor Kingsley, here I come. Apostle signs and wonders. Even you. For the sake of the probable disappointment you may run for your life. But put Billy Graham there. Their place will be jammed packed. That is the talent God has given But that does not mean God hasn't given me a talent. God made Billy in his own image, breathed into his nurses the breath of life, gave him his Holy Spirit, and gave him a talent. You see, we discover the fullness of our talent when we receive the Holy Spirit. Because he comes to reveal the secret things of God to us. And the five talents that God has given to Billy Graham, he has made good use of it. And even in his, in his old age, his writings are still saving souls. His messages are still being played. And people just watch those messages and they give their lives over to Christ. He has made good use of the five talents God gave him. And there were those God gave to and this man also made 100%, but the one who was given one talent buried it. And there are people who are always envious of the gifts of others. It should have been me. Why can't I sing like OJ? Why can't I play the organ like that brother? Why? God will never <laughs> judge you on what he has not given to you. So being envious and jealous of somebody's gifts is to no avail. Understand that our place and service in heaven will depend on the faithfulness of our lives and service here. A talent represents our abilities, our time, our resources, and opportunities to serve God while here on this earth. Don't let anyone stop you from using your talents. Know that everyone has a talent. You see, to each one of us, God has given us time, and you must use your... The only thing in this world that can never be replaced is time. And therefore, the time that God has given to you, use it profitably for his honor and for his glory. Don't waste time. God desires that we are faithful stewards of the time he has given to us. He wants us to be good stewards of our speech. Understand that words can heal, words can, can wound, and, and words can build. Job said to his three, three friends, how long will you torment me and crush me with words? Words can torment and words can crush. The three T's of life, time, talent, and treasure is given to us by God. But also understand that when we look at stewardship, not only does it all belong to God, not only has God given us talent, but God also wants us to understand that our finances also belong to him. And not until you and I know that God owns it all, it will be difficult to surrender our lives 
our talents, our time, and our finances to him. Abraham knew his source and said, he will not let anyone say that I have made Abraham great. Jacob knew his source and said, if God will take me and bring me back to my people, then of everything that God gives me, a tenth shall be his. You see, beloved, on this life journey, on this pilgrimage, our prayer must be the Lord, not only am I consecrating it all unto thee, but only thou has the power to take me and to on, on, on this pilgrimage and bring me back unto thyself safely. Understand that the enemy understands the benefit of giving, of fighting. May the Lord protect your souls in the name of Jesus. Jesus says, do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, but that I have come to fulfill them. The ethical and the moral laws still work today. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. And understand that the tide began with Abraham's time. May you and I become good stewards of our lives, of our finances, of our talents in obedience to what God requires of us in the name of Jesus. Is somebody with me this morning? You see, the truth about scripture is that Jesus was so concerned about our giving that in the gospel of Matthew, he literally watched people's giving in the church. He watched. A woman woke from bed one morning and told the husband that, darling, I had a dream last night. What is it? The woman said, I dreamt that you have given me a pearl necklace so beautiful for our 20th anniversary. And what do you think, dear? The man said to her, well, you'll find out tonight. So that evening, the husband came home with a small package beautifully wrapped and handed it over to the wife. Quickly, the wife unpacked it. When she opened it, it was a book titled The Meaning of Dreams. <laughs> he had not made up his mind to give the wife anything. So in other words, this is how to interpret your dream. If you were dreaming, I was going to buy you a pearl necklace. You are dreaming. <laughs> Understand that our attitude towards possession is important to God. God holds us accountable to the use of our thighs, to our giving. Our giving reflects our gratitude for what God has provided and is a test of our faith and our fear of him. Giving is our act of worship. It is an, it is an obedient act of returning back to God what he has given us. An eternal God Centered worldview promotes our cooperation with him. May we be good stewards of our lives, of our talents, and of our resources. One of the things I have found in God's house is that 
God always entrusts more responsibilities to people who find time and are good stewards of the time he has given to them. That is why in every church you always find 15% of the people doing all the work. And these are busy people. Why? Because God can trust them. And if God can trust you, all what he does is that he gives you more responsibilities. Why? Because he knows you will use your time wisely. May the Lord look at you and find you faithful in the name of Jesus. Understand that our reward in heaven will be based on what we do with what we have and how we handle it. When it comes to the stewardship of our finances, we often choose to follow worldly wisdom than to follow godly wisdom. Secular wisdom says accumulate as much as possible for your own use. It's your money. Therefore, like a pond that has no outlet and thus grows stagnant and slimy, such an approach to money is unhealthy. What the Bible actually teaches about money is about a heart of generosity. What God requires of us, I believe that the 10% is only a guide. What God actually wants from you and me is a heart of generosity. You and I should not view ourselves as reservoirs, stockpiling for our own use, only but as channels willing to share with others. You know, one of my favorite writers is John MacArthur. I, I like the way that he contends for the faith in this perverted, crooked, and wicked generation. But we see one thing I struggle with him is that he believes in capital punishment. Many of the great American preachers believe in capital punishment. Then another writer I love is Charles Stanley. Charles Stanley believes in the tide. John MacArthur doesn't. But what surprises me is a capital punishment. It's Old Testament. And there is always a danger. But to be honest with you, he's my favorite systematic theological writer. You want theology? It's John MacArthur. You may not agree with him on everything. I don't agree with him on everything, but he is the best. Praise the Lord. God's plan is that a tenth of all we have belongs to him. And as I said earlier on, 10% is only a starting point. The principle of giving and receiving is that God is interested in your finances, not because he needs it, but simply because you need those finances. It is that which you hand over to God that God will touch and bless. Your finances is so important to God because he is interested in how you acquire it. He is interested in how you spend it. God is interested in how you save it and he's interested in how you share it. You see, immediately somebody, I begin talking about, ah, there he goes again. There goes the pastors. And if you are listening to me online, just relax and listen to me. Don't be mad with me, hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And a faith that has not reached your wallet probably has not reached your heart yet. 
Somebody may be saying, Pastor, talk about spiritual things. You know, the day uh, our dear sister came to talk to us about health issues, somebody, we, are, we want to hear the word. Hey, really? Hey. Everything our sister said was backed by scripture. And there are people like that. They are so super spiritual. You don't need to talk about anything. So, talking about money, be patient with me. Hallelujah. Don't talk about money, they say, but the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. If all the evil in this world is directly or indirectly traced back to the love of money, then that means there is nothing more spiritual than that we talk today about money and our attitude towards it in the church. 16 of Jesus' 36 parables was about money. And he spoke about our attitude towards money. And one out of every 10 verses in the Gospels deals with our attitude towards money. The story of the widow's might, the unjust steward, the rich young uh, uh, food. Zacchaeus, when he met Jesus, his reaction to those that he had, he had cheated and was willing to give half of his possession back. If you meet Jesus, your heart must be generous. The truth about giving is that we don't give to God, we only return to him what he owns in the first place. Always remember that when we talk about stewardship and our fear of him, it all belongs to him. Our talents being able to work, go to work, the job that everything that you have has been given to you by God. Except you do not want to recognize him as your source. You see, there are three groups of people. Those that will say, it's all mine. Those that will say, it's all mine because it's my blood. Therefore, I can do what I want with it. No one can order me around. Then there are those who will say the tithe belongs to God and the rest is mine. Only 10%, the 90% is mine. Then there are those who will also say it all belongs to God. And that I'll be judged one day for what I do with that which God puts in my hand. Understand that when it comes to the tithe, Abraham commenced it. Abraham met Melchizedek and gave a tithe to him in Genesis chapter 14. Then Jacob continued it at Bethel and said, if God will take me and bring me back to my father's house, I will surely give a thank to you of everything that you give me. Genesis 28, 22. Abraham commenced it. Jacob continued it. Then Moses commanded it. Understand that the first 2,000 years from Adam to the time of Abraham, it was theocracy. And from the time of Abraham to the time of Jesus, another 2,000 years, it was still 400 years after Abraham that Israel began to ask for a king. So you and I must understand that when we talk about the tithe, we are talking about something that was theocratic. God himself gave that. And we all want the blessings of Abraham to come upon us. Abraham walked with God by faith, not by law. And all what God did for the sevenfold blessings that God bestowed on Abraham was a promise. A, a promise that God gave to him, not because of law, but because of his faith. 
And you and I are the children of faith. Praise the Lord. And the blessings of Abraham comes upon us by what? By faith. Not by law. But the truth is that what, what, what interests me is that believers of today will tell us that the tithe is Old Testament by how we quote promises from the Old Testament. No weapon that is fashioned against my life shall prosper. A thousand shall fall at my side. Ten thousand at my right hand side. With my eyes I will see it. It will not come near me. I will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flyeth by day. We also shall decree a thing and it will be established. I am the head and I am not the tail. All these promises are Old Testament. Old Testament. But we decree them. Oh. And you know what? It works for us. Why? Because it is scripture. The promises of God are the promises of God. The commands of God are the commands of God. The difference between the Old Testament when God commanded the tithe with, with animals and cattle and livestock is different from our generation because these days we don't go and tithe on our cattle. Those days, a man's wealth was determined by the cattle the sheep, the, the farms, the fields that that donkeys that that person had. But today, you and I know that in this modern age, the word of God is still the same, but the economy of the world has changed. So when it comes to the tithe, understand that Abraham commenced it, Jacob continued it, Moses commanded it, Malachi confirmed it, and Jesus commended it. Jesus, in Matthew 23, 23, says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, pretenders, for you give a tenth of your mint and dill and cumin and have neglected, this amplified Bible, and have neglected and omitted the weightier, more important matters of the law, right and justice and mercy and fidelity. These you ought particularly to have done without neglecting the others. So Jesus only commended their giving of the tithe, but rebuked them for neglecting justice and the other weightier matters of the law. Is somebody with me? Understand that 10% will always be a guideline. It is said in one of the East African countries that there are some special monkeys that the citizens love. And the citizens of this nation have discovered that the only way to trap those types of monkeys is to build a box, a very strong wooden or iron box, and put nuts and fruits in that box and only make a way that the, any, uh, the monkey is able to slip the hands through but will never be able to take it back. If the monkey slips the hand back the same way it slipped the hand in, it can take it out. But they know, they've come to understand that with that kind of monkey, which for them was a delicacy, if you put the nuts and the fruits in it and the monkey slips the hand in and grabs that, that nut and fruit, 
they know that the monkey will never leave. The only way the monkey can get the hand out is to slip it, leave the, the, the nuts and the fruit and slip the hand through that small hole. The monkey will never do that. It takes the fruit and the nuts and will still hold on. And was hold on till the neighbors come and knock it on the head and kill it. Then to let the nuts and the fruit go, that monkey will commit suicide. <laughs> and the sad thing is that is that many of us are committing financial suicide because we will hold on to what God has given us than to let go. Oh, is somebody with me today? Tell your neighbor, don't commit financial suicide. That is what happens when we are greedy, you know? The truth about giving is that it has benefits. The first benefit is that it proves our obedience to God. Malachi says, brings all the tithe into the store. It's a command. And Malachi command... uh, uh, commanded that which he endorsed that which had already begun by our forefather Abraham. And he says, bring all the tithe. And that, that word there, it, it, it's an authoritative word. Bring. It's a command. So giving proves you and my obedience to God. What we give to God reveals the measure of our faith. And the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. It also defines our priorities. Your giving to God defines your priorities. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. And at times, what we have to do is that if you take your statement, look at your expenditure. Look at the things you spend your money on. It will let you know what your priorities are. So giving to God defines my priorities. It defines your priorities. Priorities. Understand that the greatest things in life are not material things. The greatest thing in life, the value of life, is to know Christ. And to know who you are in Christ. That is life. It's not about the material and the and ri- life is not about riches. You know, when we are young, all what we are talking about is money, 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 money. We have no clue. But thirdly, Martin Luther says something very, very important. He says, I have tried to keep things in my hands and lost them all. But what I have given into God's hands, I still possess. Ah. You see, at times you look at the bills, you look at the challenges, and you are saying 10%. Malachi says, trust God. The only place in scripture where we are asked to Test God is in our giving. And and the truth about God is that he will honor his word. Thirdly, it activates divine favor and blessings. Malachi says again, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will be no room enough to contain you know, at times we hear this over and over and over, and if we are not careful, we'll downplay it. About 
three months, four months ago, a brother, one of our brothers here at Trinity Baptist Church, to mention his name, Brother Reginald Okain, that took the family home and decided himself also to go. He didn't know what he was going to do back in Africa, in Ghana, but just decided he would leave. Then one day, ABN Radio, our production officer, was invited to film an interview with the Ghana High Commission. So he went there. And in the course of they are talking, a call comes in. The Etuabo new port that is to be built in the western region, which belongs to Lono here in Britain, were looking for a financial director. They were investing an initial amount of $650 million with the intention of ejecting $2 more billion into that business. True story. And they were looking for a financial director. R- Brother Reginald is one of the most faithful titles in the church. He lives at Grace, but drives to church every Sunday. And faithful, anytime the people were asked to come and source, he would be the first, he would be amongst those who would come. So the high commissioner said, I've already given you so many people. What do you want me? So he tells Ato, Ato, this is the situation. Do you know anybody who is looking for a job and can fill that position? Of course. So Ato said, Well, I know. Uh, a young man who volunteers his services for ABN TV. So I'll talk to him. So he talks to Brother Reggie. Reg. So Reg said, fine. Gives the number to him. The high co- calls the high commissioner. The high commissioner gives the number to him. So he calls this uh, main uh, CEO of Lono. He said, ah, come for an interview. After the interview, he says, you are the right man we've been looking for. Did you, after 35 people, guess what? They've hired for him one of the most expensive houses at one of the most beautiful places back in Africa. Have given him house help. Have given him help. And now, he, they fly him here into meetings. Two days, and he goes back. That is what God can do. You see, God is faithful Listen, God is not a magician. Let me, let me be honest with you. And when you are giving to God, don't think that God is going to work a magic for you. But God is faithful. He will honor his word. The time, the place, the measure, and, and the volume of the giving, the season is only determined by God. But you know what? God will do it. And I pray that you will not argue about the tithe. And at times, you see, you don't know the time of your season. You don't know the time of your visitation. And at times, it may not even be money coming back to us, but it may be a divine intervention for our children. And at times, our giving, I believe, because God says that he himself will rebuke the devourer on our behalf. And there is a devourer who devours our finances and devours our family. Can you imagine somebody was just killed simply because 
They said he had blown wind. They took knives, they stabbed him in the heart, in the heart, in the liver, and he poked his eyes. It took divine intervention for them to fly him from Coventry straight on to King's College. Then, now, they are taking him to, uh, where's the eye clinic? How do you call it? Morfield? Morfield Hospital. Just because people said he's blown wind. And at times, all what you need is for your faithfulness, your prayer, and your giving, your sacrifice to speak for you. And the season, you don't know. I don't know. I will never tell you that if you give God 10 CDs, God will multiply your hand. No, no, God is not a magician. He's never done that before. He will never do that. But he will honor his word. Are you hearing me? At the end, when we all stand before God, the words that we will hear is servant. Thou faithful servant, because you have been faithful in little, I will make you an overseer over plenty. I pray that one day, after all this work is finished and done, the words that we'll hear in heaven will be that faithful servant. Enter into my joy. And I see you entering in the name of Jesus. Because your fear of God will let you do that which God commands of you. Father, this morning, we honor you for your faithfulness we bless you for the clarity of your word. Teach our hearts, O oh God, as a church to fear you. May our giving expand the kingdom. We pray that at the end that which we shall hear of you is that thou faithful and wise servant. May each one of us never miss heaven. In the mighty name of Jesus, God's people shall say, You've just heard God's Word brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church, London. We pray that this Word will impact your life in a tremendous way. You are welcome to share your testimonies, prayer and counselling needs with us. Do visit us or write to us at Trinity Baptist Church, 2 Thornlaw Road, West Norwood, London, SE27 OSA or call 0208 766 Thank you and remain blessed.